Hey, Colleen. Hey, Hannah. So this is between a rock and a hard place, although it kind of looks like a storage closet. But seriously, we're here to talk about life in Iraq. Right. Let's talk about money, Colleen. Oh, that's our favorite topic, Hannah. Why? Everybody loves to talk about money. And I think it is something that we have to deal with and confront because both of us are support-funded. And I feel like I need to explain what that is. Yeah, because that's not something that most people... It's true. So we're not living off the government. That's not what it means. No. Um, But what it means is that for both of us and for pretty much everyone that we work with, including our teams in Iraq, we all have to raise money to be able to pay the salaries that we get paid. So we're not raising money for SGI as an organization. We're raising it for ourselves to be able to pay our bills. Mm -hmm. Um, Some organizations use the word deputation because it sounds more like becoming a sheriff's officer. (laughs) Confusing? Uh, Yeah, I don't know, but that's what it is called uh, a lot of times. So yeah, so we are asking people and churches to give money to us through a nonprofit organization, and then that organization uses those funds to pay us a salary so that we can do our jobs. And most organizations will take a administrative fee, and that covers the cost of, like, our office space and helping pay for the software that's needed to run the salaries and pay the taxes, pay the taxes and all of those things. SGI takes a really small administrative fee. It's a little bit shocking that it's so small. So most of the money that we raise comes to us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go to programs or building funds. And it's different than if you just like hand somebody 20 bucks uh, because we're asking people to give ongoing, not right. just once. And be a part of a long-term support team so that we can continue to do our jobs. Yeah, so why would anyone choose to live like that? Some of us have jobs that don't create products that you can sell or services that people can pay for. I mean, a lot of the ladies that attend our English classes, for example, cannot pay for English classes Mm. or can't even pay for transportation to English classes. So um, it's a service that's needed, but it's not something that's going to generate funding of its own. And even living in Iraq, our teachers, our staff there now does get paid by the school. It is almost enough to cover living expenses. So the schools are also operating on a smaller budget and they are more self-sustaining now but when you and I both first went we were volunteers at the school right so we weren't getting paid at all so we needed that money because we couldn't get a job because we already had a job so we needed people in the U.S. to help us pay our bills so that we could serve in the schools there right and that's still true most of our our staff still need the support for things like insurance and plane tickets housing setup costs or anything extra or that anything extra. they might have, like paying off school loans or right. that kind of stuff. An emergency cash fund for if things go south and they need to get out of the country mm-hmm. helps to have cash on hand. So that's kind of why most people do support raising or fundraising is because they have a job that no one will pay them to do. But um, it's still something that's valuable mm-hmm. and that needs done. And right. 
Um, I know for both of us, it's something that we really care about, right? Yeah, and so most people do that through an organization. I will say if you have somebody just come and ask you to give them directly money on a monthly basis, that's probably a scam. So maybe don't do that. (laughs) It's good to have all the, you know, correct legal channels taken care of. Yeah, it's important. And plus then it's tax exempt. Like a A tax receipt. That's a tax break for it. Um, (laughs) We could get into all that, but that's not our department. That's not really what we're talking about today either. So that's kind of what support is. And we want to talk about the good things and the bad things, and we want to be honest. But I think we also want to recognize that, like, we couldn't do what we do without the people that support us regularly. Absolutely. And uh, we're super grateful for that. Raising support can be hard. You have to talk to people and approach them and ask them to give you money, which is not something that we do regularly in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Like, money is definitely a kind of a taboo subject, and so to go around asking for it can be awkward or outside of cultural norms. And it just, it takes a lot of time. I know a lot of organizations tell people it's going to take two to five years for their deputation fundraising period before they can even leave the country. It didn't take us nearly as long. No. SGI does not require as much money to be raised for one thing. For one thing. But because you need to connect with people and a lot of people won't give unless they have some personal connection to you Mm -hmm. they want to visit you they want you to come to their house or to their church and give a presentation or talk to them personally all of which are good and reasonable things and those people on the positive side of it end up being people who are really on board with what you're doing and they support you not just monetarily but through prayer and encouragement and all of that is super Super valuable. It's a lot of visiting and establishing personal relationships, which, if you're an introvert, can be hard. Yeah. Uh, even if you're an extrovert, I imagine that it takes a lot of energy and time. to do and time. And that's why a lot of people dedicate so much time to doing it. And even, you know, outside of that time that's dedicated on the front end, there is the ongoing time to keep up with those people because you don't want to be like, great, you've given me money, now we're done. Because you still need those people to be invested and you need to care for them and let them know how grateful you are and reciprocate that relationship because that relationship is valuable. And let them know how their giving has impacted your life and the life of the people that you're reaching. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like, great, I'm moving to Iraq and then 20 years of silence to send out an, an email update occasionally. Uh, I think I think both of us knew that this podcast was coming. We sat down to plan it, and we're both like, oh no, we need to write newsletters. Newsletters. And so both of us, within this last week, I, have written them. When I started, I was writing a newsletter, I think, every week. And then it got to every month. And then when I moved to the States, it got to be every other month. And now I feel good if I get one out every three months. Yeah. And so some people do newsletters. Some people, I did for a while, um, a closed Facebook group that was Mm. invitation only. That probably got updated more because it was easier for me to just get on there and write one little thing. Some people do physical newsletters. I think we try to do a physical newsletter once or twice a year. People because people communicate differently, mm-hmm. and then there's there's those visits when you come back to the U.S. 
you have want to make the personal face-to-face connection with mm-hmm. supporters. Those ongoing communications also provide a lot of accountability. Oh yeah. So that you know that you're heading in the right direction, you know, from their feedback that you are actually doing the things that you have told them you were going to do because they're going to ask you. So you asked for prayer for this thing, like how did it go? And, and that kind of thing. And that accountability is really valuable. I think one of the best experiences I ever had with that was uh, a really small church that I had been sending updates to. I never really heard from them. Um, They would occasionally send financial support, but I was just kind of like, I mean, I know like one person in this church. I don't really expect them to care about me personally all that much. Um, And so when I was back for a summer, I went and visited them. Every single person in that church knew my name, and they asked about specific situations that I had asked for prayer about throughout the year. Wow. And I was like, I don't know any of you people. And, like, not only are you asking very good, specific questions, but, like, when you tell me we've been praying for you, I believe it because I see the list that gets handed out every week Mm -hmm. that you then split up into groups and pray over, and my name's on that list with, like, details of how to pray for me. It made me feel like, wow, people do actually care. Yeah. Um, even people who I don't see or communicate, like, they're they're not necessarily communicating with me that they're praying. They are. They're there. Mm-hmm. And it was just hugely encouraging to me. It's There's something beautiful about strangers praying for you. The downside of that, though, can be that you can worry about what those people will think about what happens in your life, mm-hmm. especially with the age of social media. You know, you also are accountable in some sense to them for the funds that they have given to your support, and you need to not use those things frivolously, right. which I think is a good thing. But I know sometimes, and I've heard other people talk about this, like sometimes they will have something really nice that they've gotten either as a gift or they got it really cheap somewhere. They're not being unwise with funds, but they don't feel like they can share that because people will think that they are spending their money frivolously and spending the money that other people have given to them frivolously. So we recently went to see Hamilton. And, I mean, tickets to Hamilton are very expensive And not something we would normally spend, what, the $300 a piece on the tickets we ended up with? That those would cost. We did not spend $300 But we didn't spend $300 on tickets. Uh, Hannah won those tickets. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Um, But I know that both of us, when we post about it, have to make sure that we say we won these tickets, not we just went because mm-hmm. we do worry that our supporters might think that we are spending money in ways that aren't wise. And and honestly, if someone I was giving support to was like, I just spent $300 to go see a Broadway show that is immensely popular, I would be like, what now? I know I can have anxiety even when like someone gives me a Starbucks gift card and I go to Starbucks and get a drink and, you know, the, the typical basic white girl take a picture of your Starbucks cup and post it on Instagram. Like, part of the reason I don't do that is people will be like, she going to Starbucks all the time and spending $4 every day on a coffee? She should be saving that money. Where it's like, I almost never go to Starbucks unless someone gives me a gift card or I'm having, like, a really terrible day. (laughs) 
like it's a rare thing or even if those were the things that we wanted to spend some of our money on that maybe aren't the most thrifty thing that we could possibly come up with that it's also okay for us not to worry about what right. I mean worry is never the right course right. so um, there's yeah. a balance there and there's a combination of you know correct concern over that accountability and also it can easily go too far and the majority of people that support you do know you and do trust you, and that is why they are giving you money. So for the most part, they're going to be like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But it's when you're like, oh, this church supports me, and I don't know everyone. I'm not sure how everyone's going to react to that. You can, like, it's really easy to right. overthink. Right, Yeah. Even and we, we did talk about having people pray for you and how that's a big part of, of support raising, too. We're not just asking people for money. We're mm-hmm. asking them for... Uh, the spiritual and sometimes um, emotional support of praying for us, staying in touch with us. Being part of that team. Right. It's almost like asking someone to stand up with you on your wedding day and being like, I'm choosing you because I know that you're going to continue to support this. Mm-hmm. It can also be hard. Yes. We keep bouncing back and forth between the the the, the more positive or pleasant aspects and the harder things. Mm-hmm. Um, along with that, people can often expect results when you don't have results to share. You know, they ask, I prayed for this thing, this event, how did it go? And you're like, well, it kind of went badly. Or it went okay, but, you know, this test went okay, but most of my students didn't actually pass. That can be discouraging. Or sometimes you pray for things and you don't have answers. You're like, I haven't heard back yet. I don't know what's going on with this yet. Keep praying. And it's an easy thing, too, to think, I have to make something happen. And I think we recognize that that's not your job. Yep. It's not necessarily your job to make things happen. And so you just have to trust God for those things, which is the same thing you have to do with the finances. I feel like that's a big part of what I've learned um, in the process of support raising is to trust God. God and to realize that all money is a gift from God. Even if I had a job, that money is still God's method of providing. Either way, I have to trust him for my income. I think the the tenuous downside of that is that it can make your life feel really unstable Mm -hmm. and unpredictable, and it is a huge exercise of faith. And so sometimes it's also easy to be like, oh, I have sinned, therefore God will no longer provide for me. Which is not how God works. No. But it is easy to get into that that kind of mindset trap, too, of like or feeling like a burden to other people, too, is part of that. Where mm-hmm. you're like, I'm having faith in God, but I can also see how people would look at my life and be like, you're just a drain on society. <laughs> like, get a real job. Make real yeah. money. But I mean, I mean, that's part of where you also learn humility. Mm-hmm. Like... Not everybody is going to approve of your life choices, mm-hmm. and you don't have all of, you know, the answers. And sure, you may not have the fanciest-looking position or the highest-paying job or whatever. If God has called you to this role in this nonprofit where you need to raise support, then you need to be willing to take both the positive aspects of that in the eyes of society as well as the negative. Yeah, and it can be hard for people to look at you and be like, 
You don't have any of the markers of success that I see in like average life, normal life. We don't get uh, promoted. No, that's not really a thing that happens. I mean, even if you get more responsibilities, it doesn't come with like a pay hike. Right. We don't like get better benefits the longer that we're in ministry. Like I feel like career-wise there are things that it's like if you do a b c and d you get to move up to the next level this may be a misconception having never had a career (laughs) right um it seems like there are like predictable steps you can take where when you're living on support it's more unpredictable because some months you'll get lots of support and some months you won't get any and then you're kind of like did i do something terribly wrong but it really doesn't have anything to do with you in a lot of ways. It's just a random fluke. I think one of the best aspects of support raising is getting to see God provide. And that's, in a lot of ways, the balance to that uncertainty. And now, having raised support for many, many years, I have many times I can look back on and see how God has provided. It may not always be in the form of money. And that can be the hard part. You're like, oh, I don't, I can't plan out my next year's budget or I can't plan out some of the things that you know people normally plan out which I'm not really sure always what they are um (laughs) again having lived most of my life raising support but like our house Mm -hmm. it's it's not something that was provided for us because we have a ton of money but we have a really nice house And it was provided through generous and kind people, both who our landlord is amazing and gives it to us for a lower rent than he probably could rent that a house out for. And also, you know, the people who support us so that we have a salary so that we can pay that rent. It's not all because we get more money. It's not we get we got to pick a nice house because we had a high income. We got a nice house because God provided it. Right. for us through his people and that that's a beautiful like I think for both of us that is a thing that we can constantly point to and be like God is good and he is taking care of us because we did nothing to get this house right other than trust and it's good to have those things to hold on to because when the uncertainty can be rough when the yeah. uncertainty hits then you have things they're like no God has continued to always provide not always through money Sometimes through other things. Sometimes through Hamilton tickets. Right. Sometimes through a really sweet person who takes you out for dinner. Or sometimes through, you know, someone who has a good connection on a lead for a car. Or it comes in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's through a friend who will let you use her vacation rental for free for a week. Yeah. And so that you can have a vacation that normally would be outside of your price range. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, is um, you get to connect with people that you wouldn't normally have connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that's that's part of the support base is not only do those people support you, but they can also connect you with other people who want to be helpful that you wouldn't have otherwise met. And I can think of that in many circumstances where it's like, hey, I'm traveling to this place and one of my supporters will be like, oh, I have a really good friend that's there. You could probably stay with them. And it's like, 
cool. Like, now I don't have to pay for a hotel room. Or um, when when I moved here and had my car, one of my big concerns was, like, how am I going to maintain my car? I don't know anything about Nashville. Right. And having people in my life that could be like, oh, you know, here's the mechanic that you need to go to, and here's the tire place that you need to go to, and we notice that your headlights are looking kind of dingy. Let's get you new ones. Or, like, things like that that are just, like... Like you said, it's not necessarily monetary support, but they're also connecting me with people that I wouldn't otherwise be connected with. Mm -hmm. I have one supporter, and she just emailed me yesterday. I've never met her in my life. We should not know each other at all, aside from someone that supports me, knows her, and was talking to her about me, and she asked if she could be on my mailing list. And I hear from her fairly regularly. This is this is cool. Like, I'm connected with the body of Christ in a way that I wouldn't otherwise be. Mm-hmm. The one difficulty is then you end up with friends all over the world. For real. <laughs> and you can't actually see them all as much as you would like, which is a beautiful thing to have, but also occasionally difficult. Yeah. The more space there is, the harder it is to maintain those relationships, but you mm-hmm. want to. Uh-huh you have that connection because so many people are so cool yeah are you wondering what to do with your life we've got some ideas come check them out at www.servantgroup.org slash iraq i also really like the uh holy handshake You're the only person I've ever heard call it this. And when you explained this to me, I was like, this has happened to me, but I've never heard it called that. I don't know if this is just like a Southern church thing. I mean, I'm sure it happens in other places, but like it inevitably happens to me when I go to my, the church that I grew up in that, you know, you'll greet someone and they'll shake your hand and in the palm of their hand will be like a check or cash or something that like... They want to give to you, but they don't want to make it a big deal that they're giving it to you. And maybe they don't want to put it in the church offering basket because they want it to come directly to you. And so we always called them holy handshakes. And it's usually a two-hand thing because they want to, like, squeeze your hand so that you know that, like, that thing, that piece of paper they have given you is for you. It's all very, uh, (laughs) spy-like. Spy-like, yes. (gasps) clandestine and then you know you have to stand there and hold it as a woman i'm usually wearing a dress and dresses famously do not have pockets which is a great oversight and so you have to like stand there and hold it in your hand and be like what do i do if someone else wants to shake my hand like (laughs) yeah Uh, but those are always really sweet and encouraging too Mm -hmm. because it's like this person like wants to make this very obviously personal Mm -hmm. and not just like it came through channels and channels and channels, which, I mean, both are good, but I do like a holy handshake. It always makes me smile. <laughs> it's a little awkward. It's a little awkward sometimes. I think one of the best things about support raising is being able to invite other people into what God is doing. Um, I think a lot of people can get nervous about fundraising and what that looks like, but seeing it that way is like, God has called me to this thing, and it is exciting, and it is incredible and it is something obviously I'm very passionate about because I'm putting all of my life into this right you get to take others in to see that and be like be a part of that Mm -hmm. when they may not otherwise have 
access to what's going on in the lives of people in Iraq. Uh, it's, it's really great when it works that way. Yes. <laughs> Too often, people will see that you are, are doing support raising and they'll go, oh, well, if you need money, here is a job that you could do. Yeah. Or, or here's uh, some multi-level marketing special potions that you can sell or I don't want to be too specific because I don't want to call anyone out on the carpet but you just used the word potions yes I did if if you're personally offended by that well then check your own conscience but yes here's a thing that you could sell and everybody has this idea that you know you could do that sales in a small amount of time on the side side, and that that would support you so that you could do your ministry full time. It's not how any of those actually work. Right. And it's not that we don't have money because we don't have jobs. We have jobs that are full time that take all of our attention Mm -hmm. and we just happen to not get paid for them. Yeah. (laughs) In the traditional way. Traditional way. I think so. It's not that like, I need one more thing to take up my time that will give me money. It's that I have a lot that I'm already doing. Right. I have a lot that I want to do more. I have a lot I'm continuing to do. And both of us have two jobs. Like, we Mm -hmm. do live on the support that we raise, but we do also have another job that does part-time jobs. But, yeah, it's part-time because we need all of our focus to be keep having to give that job a little bit less time and a little bit less time because I'm so busy. Right. And where, when part of the full-time work that I do is to leave and be in another country for a month or go out of town for a week to do recruiting, I can't have a normal nine to five job. Even a telecommuting job doesn't work when you don't have the internet. That does happen. Most of those people, again, are not people who are, like, regular supporters. They're people who have, like, just met you. Just met you. And and are like, oh, money. Why do I have a way for you to get money? Money is the problem. Really, the question isn't money. The question is people. Right. And people supporting people and the church being the body. And inviting them to join in on that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people are nervous to uh, do support raising, to live yeah. a life that way. They're they're afraid of what people will think or say. There's that fear of, I don't want to seem like I'm a drain on society by asking people for money. I want to seem like I, I need people. Yeah. But you oh, do. <laughs> we really need people. We need other people, whether it's financially or not. We are absolutely dependent on other people. And this is something American culture definitely tries to teach you. You know, I don't need anyone. But that's not how the church is supposed to work. That's not not how we're, as humans, designed to work. It's not biblical functioning of the community of Christ, if you want to get theological and churchy about it. There you go. I think the other part of it is also, with that fear of what other people will think, that pride that... I'm too good for that. I'm too smart for that. Like, I get the phrase sometimes when we've invited people on trips and talked about, oh, yeah, you'd need to raise support for this trip. Oh, I could never raise support. Mm -hmm. And you're like, because it's... And there's this sense of, like, oh, it's beneath me, or only people who can't get a real job would do that. 
I'm going to use the money that I have been saving from my real job or it is it is humiliating and not necessarily in a bad way to go to people hat in hand and say God has called me to this I can't do it well anytime you have to express your own insufficiency is humbling because you can't do it on your own and you're not enough that's why you need the church and Jesus. Again, that that is biblical. (laughs) I mean, there is one category of people, though, who are not willing to raise support that I do think it's the right reason not to raise support is if you're not sure of your calling. Like, if you don't know that God's calling you to this thing, then you, yeah, shouldn't be raising support to do it because you should be doing what God wants you to do. Um, And so if you are approached with a trip and it requires support raising and you don't feel like you're sure that you need that you should go then by all means don't go and don't raise support for it but don't make the support raising itself the excuse to not do something that God is calling you to do I think there is an an element of I know that I'm called to do what I'm doing because God continues to provide for it Mm -hmm. and you know I have kind of this ongoing dialogue between me and God of like if this is ever a thing that you're like, nope, I don't I want you to be a part of this anymore, make it not financially possible for me. That's a brave prayer, my friend. It is a brave prayer, but I'd rather it he tell works. me some other way first. <laughs> it always <laughs> works though, because inevitably there there comes a point where I'm like, I don't have the money to continue to live this way. So if you don't want me to continue to live this way, okay. And then I'll try something else and I'll be like, oh, look, the money showed up or God provided in some other way that it's just like, I, I didn't expect that at all. So, okay, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to keep doing it. It can be really reassuring. It is a little bit terrifying, though. It's, <laughs> it's not a low stress. It's a good terrifying way to live because it's that take you back to trusting God and being humble and it's and, a, it's a kind of a continuous cycle right and not being independent not being able to plan it or take care of everything by yourself i mean which changes how you also look at your future like so much of what our modern society talks about is planning for your future so that you can take care of yourself in your future and that is sometimes possible and sometimes partially possible and sometimes not at all possible mm-hmm. when you're living on support but again you have to trust god for the future to provide to continue to provide for you right. the way he always has and inevitably there will be someone listening to this who will be like you guys are crazy mm-hmm. like this is a foolish foolish way to live maybe to which the answer is uh god calls us to live foolishly in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Maybe not all based on... Not everyone can live on support. Obviously. Not everyone is called to do that. If you are not called, please don't do it. But please do find someone who you believe in what they're doing and give to them. Support them. Not just financially, but stay in touch with them. Communicate with them. Know what's going on in their lives. Even if you think this is a crazy thing to do, but obviously it is what God has called them to do. Again, both of us are extremely grateful for the people who oh, yeah. who have the faith that God has called us to what we are called to. I have people who have supported me since my first international trip in 2003. Yeah, That was me a too. long time ago. Ever since I, my first 
overseas trip was to Venezuela in 2002, 2001, and a lot of those people still support me now, which mm-hmm. is amazing. That's decades nearly of faithful support. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm so grateful for them. So be that person for someone else. Like maybe you're not called to live on support. Maybe you have a great paying job and you love it and it's wonderful and you are ministering to the people in your lives. Awesome. Find someone that needs your help and help them. Be involved in ministry that way. And if you already are supporting someone, send them a note, a text, an email, even a short, hey, I'm really glad for what you're doing and I'm praying for you this way. It can really be encouraging and bless, you know, the person that you're supporting to know that you're behind them, not just with funds, but with your prayers and your encouragement. We are created for community and that is more than money. It's emotional and spiritual support as well. So pray, reach out, and give. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. It was amazing. <laughs>